welcome back. Welcome Do your back. face again. <laughs> hey, you silly son of a bitch. Alright, uh, let's do this. Yeah, you're, you're moving. I see you. You're not tricking me. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't had enough whiskey for you to trick me, dude. Hello, everybody. This is Pawns, uh, the podcast for the Everyman Gamer. I'm Matt. Hey, and this is Corey over here. Uh, and today we'll be covering um, a couple of topics. First up is our Gen Con wishlist flop. Um, I'll bet the way we talked about it in the last episode, I'll bet someone out there was like, you guys are dumb. You're not going to get anything that you want, and you'd be absolutely correct. Yeah, but I was thinking the exact same thing as we were sitting there Sunday morning waiting for the uh, the thing to tick off, and without a doubt, the people who have been to Gen Con before us were all laughing. I'm all sure. laughing at us last episode. Yeah. Then we're going to talk about the new rulebook that came out for Kill Team covering elites. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. small skirmish game that everybody loves now, uh, Kill Team. Got a lot bigger. <laughs> yeah, sure the <laughs> a heck lot, did. A lot bigger. Oh, shit. Um, what else we got? Uh, we're going to do, and before we do the Kill Team thing, we're going to do our little hobby corner like always. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then last, we're going to be talking about prepping for our Salt Marsh game. Corey and I will yeah. be playing Salt Marsh uh, with our wives. With the wives. Yeah, and a friend of mine. Um, but it's all going to be virtual. Um, we're playing across the country. Yeah, all um, up which and down I, the East Seaboard, yeah. Yeah, which I think uh, kind of fits perfectly for this show, because I think anyone who's in a situation like ours um, could really appreciate the benefits of playing on something like Roll20 or Fantasy Grounds or you know, whatever your platform of choice is. Yeah, playing, playing virtually is, is a great way to uh, fit gaming into your busy schedule. Absolutely. it's. Uh, I think it's going to be really illuminary for the people who are listening to, uh, to be able to follow along and maybe even listen to uh, a session or two of us while we're playing so that they can see how at least other people are getting it wrong and maybe they can do something right instead. All right, let's hop into it. Uh, call to action. Call to action. Uh, I... Uh, yeah, recently got some really good feedback from a listener of ours, and this is something I wanted to drive home. It was a suggestion made by my uh, another friend of mine, a guy coincidentally also named Matt. Uh, Matt, thanks for listening. Thank you for the feedback. I uh, just want to go through our social media super quick. We've got the email if you want to reach out to us, pawnstheshow at gmail.com. Uh, we got our Facebook, our Twitter. Uh, the Facebook is pawnstheshow on the Facebook facebook.com slash pawns the show and our twitter is also at pawns the show uh we will soon have a instagram as well uh Corey's just been a little bit slack and a little bit sick hasn't been able to uh finalize his big surprise for matt yet it's all right that's all right good surprises are worth waiting for yes sir uh and the 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 last thing this call action i want to do is i really want to reach out to you guys who are listening everybody listening um and kind of try to drum up some support. We've had a massive spike in growth looking at our metrics from uh, our website host, Buzzsprout. Um, and I'm really hoping we can continue to grow that going forward. Um, so I've got to kind of come out a little early on and ask for this. And I, I feel a little bit sheepish. I'm sorry. Uh, but what we got to ask for is some five-star reviews. Uh, the way these platforms, iTunes and Google Play, work is uh, it's all algorithm. They they kind of try to hide how their metrics work, but the big thing that is consistent across all of these is we need big five-star reviews. Uh, so please give us a five-star review. But on top of that, if you've got some constructive criticism, we are all ears. We want to hear that. Uh, like I was saying, I just got done talking to one of my friends about the show. He suggested a couple format changes. So if you've got some suggestions, if you've got some critiques, if you've got something you want us to cover, reach out to us via the social media stuff. We're checking those accounts. We're looking at them. We're dying for feedback. Let us know what you need, what you wanted, what you want to hear. Uh, and that's that's uh, what we really want is we need some five-star reviews. We need some good reviews. And we're dying for some criticism. So feel free to give it to us. Unless, unless it's a criticism on the, the quality of the show, because uh, I can't take criticism. So <laughs> I'll tell you what, so, our editor so, so is lie one to of me. the biggest, so, whiniest people I've ever met. So lie to me and tell me you've never heard a podcast of this stellar quality. Um, yeah. You know, that's what I need to hear. Yeah. 
But no, no, no. Actually, um, anyone out there listening who has um, even an iota of technical know-how on how to do podcast recording, um, I'm all yours because I am literally uh, making this up as I go along and Googling every problem we're encountering on the show. So, uh, you know, anyone who's covered some of these problems before, please let us know. Let us know how you made it work and <laughs> <laughs> let me cut some corners. All right. Uh, Gen Con countdown. How many more days do we have until Gen Con? I have lost track. Uh, I'll get to why I've lost track here when we do my little segment. Okay. I think we're around 60. That seems 60 about to, right. 60 to 80, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I said on the onset of going into Gen Con, I said, Corey, you and I, we should challenge ourselves to work on our hobbies a little bit to be in a good spot by the time we go to Gen Con. Um, so let's do an update. First off, um, my painting challenge. I'll do that one first. Um, I have blue paint on some Space Marines. That would be my update. Um, I'm actually I'm actually a little discouraged to be honest. Um, because the paints that I use they're they're not um game Citadel paints. I don't think that matters. But the paints did sit out long enough that I think I didn't shake them up enough. And I've noticed that uh, like four of the six guys I painted are a very light shade of blue, where the two last guys that I painted are a more ultramarines blue. Okay. Um, so I'm hoping that another couple layers will take care of it. Um, I'm also really disappointed that contrast paints have just come out. Um, we're not going to talk about it in this episode, but I did pre-order ultramarine blue contrast paints. And I'm really, at this point, I'm kind of hoping that um, I can just throw contrast blue or contrast ultramarines blue right over the mistakes i've already made and just move on with it sure so i kind of don't want to do any more with them for now otherwise i'll just try to layer on some more blue um but that's all i've managed to do but i did get them out so that's a that's a step i know you were showing me pictures i thought you were doing okay i didn't really yeah. get it mixed the paints that's yeah that's yeah deep. uh yeah and and also um everything that i read about learning how to paint miniatures you know, whenever someone like posts a miniature for feedback, everyone says, thin your paints, thin your paints. So I'm like, shit, all I know is I got to thin these suckers. I think maybe I thinned them out a little too much, you know? I, I, I that was the picture. The, the first picture you sent me was yeah. definitely too thin, yeah. Yeah, but I think that's okay. I you can. It seems yeah. to me like it's easy to add more paint. It's like a haircut. It's easy to, you know, to add more paint than uh, to take paint away, yep. you know, or impossible to take paint away. Just like you know, you're cutting your hair. It's easy. It's easy to cut a little bit, but if you cut too much, you're in, in a rough spot. Yeah, you're waiting another two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, but either way, I'm just I'm just gonna wait for the contrast paints. Throw ultramarine blue on these guys and uh, see how that goes. Um, moving on, I haven't touched keyboards at all, um, but that's okay because that's kind of that's kind of a um, extra credit hobby thing for me. You know, um, I work on that when I have time. Um, going into too much detail soldering uh because you got to solder these keyboards yep uh soldering stinks up the house and so i want to do it on like a nice summer day when i can open up the windows get some ventilation going sure uh you know so i'm just kind of waiting for really good weather uh and last for me D D is on hold you were um, telling me a little bit about this some summertime issues right yeah and i, I think this is i think D D ultimately i think tabletop role-playing is a seasonal thing i think more people play Fall, winter, maybe early spring. Once summer hits, people just get busy. And yep. I think at, at our stage in life, uh, time for tabletop games just kind of goes on the back burner. So um, a couple of my players are talking about, like, schedules are hard, whatever. So we're switching gears to a different game, which I think uh, I've picked, first off, because I've always wanted to play it. Um, and two, I think it lends itself to a more episodic sort of approach. So if people are dropping in and out, it's okay. Um, we're picking up Mouse Guard. You have, over the years we've known each other, tried to get me to play Mouse Guard at least twice. Mouse Guard. Um, so it's based on, for anyone who doesn't know, first off, look it up, because I can't describe it uh, well. You know, I'll, I'll never do it justice. But Mouse Guard, to me, if I had to, like, like a very short sell, would be the Night's Watch from Game of Thrones meets... Redwall, the book series by Brian Jacou, Jacous, yeah. the French guy. Um, it's so you're playing uh, mice um, who protect this um, medieval forest world 
um, from everything that mice are actually afraid of. You know, like uh, you protect the scent border, which is a, a border of animal scents, which keeps like bears from trouncing through your kingdom. You deliver mail to neighboring villages. You settle disputes. You rescue people who are in trouble. Um, rebuild pathways, stuff like that. So, um, uh, what else can I say about Mouse Guard? Um, it's based on a comic book series. So, if you Google Mouse Guard and you find comic books, you're actually still on the right path. Um, they're really good comics. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Um, and it's based on the Burning Wheel system. Um, which is a D6 based game system, um, where fours through sixes are successes. Um, and conflict is played like rock, paper, scissors with playing cards. Um, so if you do like an attack action, you beat a defend action, but someone's faint action beats your attack action. Does that make sense? And it's kind of all picked. Yeah. It's all picked ahead of time and you just reveal the cards that you've chosen. Um, based on how you think the conflict will play out. And that covers physical conflict, arguments, um, forging through, you know, untrail, un, untraveled wilderness. Sure. You know, any sort of conflict you can come up all uses the system. So really excited to give that a shot for the summer. That's my corner. That's uh, that's great. I uh, My corner, my turn. Okay. Uh, one of the reasons I have actually been slacking this past couple of weeks here is I got real sick. Um, Tuesday, I went into the dock. Uh, I think I dodged pneumonia by about 24 hours. No joke, dude. No joke. It was, uh, the wife told me I got up Wednesday morning. This was after I saw the dock, and she was like, I almost took you to the ER last night. Um, okay. So that's why that guy over there, the uh, the Viking with the beard, has been a hero this past <laughs> week. Uh, he's put up with my complete lack of responses via text messages. I actually built some show notes. That's how bad it. He, that's how bad it's been. He did the show notes, and <laughs> uh, just a quick thing: we divide the the work. I usually do most of the research. Matt does most of the editing. Matt, yeah, I can't thank you enough. Thank you for uh, shouldering that burden for me this week. Oh, Corey, um, I can't thank you enough for actually making the show a thing. I love you, bud. You're a good friend. This will um, never make it in the show. Oh, yes, it will. <laughs> just your part. Just your thank you. Will. <laughs> just, just me talking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, back onto the hobby stuff. Uh, you talked about not getting a lot of your hobby challenge taken care of. Uh, I'm just the opposite this week. I have been on fire. Bed rest is great for painting minis. I've done a yeah. ton of Dark Elder stuff. That Ravager is almost done. It is sitting downstairs. I've got to paint one face, and I'm putting that shit away. Done. I got nice. a couple of witches. Almost done. Got a homunculus. Almost done. Got a Lilith Hallisbrex. Uh, the named character witch for the Dark Eldar army. Almost done. Uh, got that Elite coming out. We're going to talk about that. I got a couple boxes in the mail. Can't wait to get a hold of because right. my kill team is going to be a rock solid, nasty little blip of angry space elves for Gen Con. I mean, everyone's got a plan till you know the dice start rolling. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, those are the plans of eyes first contact with the enemy. Yeah. So I got, I got to ask, does... Um, You've probably been on some pretty serious medication. Oh yeah. How does that influence your painting? Do you, does that does that like help you focus? Do you get a little bit more abstract? You know, do you um, you're all hopped up, so maybe you're just like, yeah, I'll do whatever, and ends up looking good. Uh, I didn't you have know. those effects because the only medicine I was taking that kind of had that I'm using air quotes here that quasi mental effect was the Nyquil. Okay. Uh, and obviously, when you take Nyquil, you go to bed and you have amazing, fun dreams. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no, the medicine didn't didn't do nothing. I just I had downtime. I worked a couple half a days. <laughs> I told my boss, "LOL, I'm going home. I'm done coughing <laughs> yeah. on everybody. See ya." Yeah, man. Yeah, good for you though. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm really jealous that you got the time to uh do some minis. Um, because I do I do keep looking at like Matau's, and now I have the Ghost Keel. Which um, I'm super grateful for. I I don't know if I'll be able to substitute it in as a commander. I think the the base is bigger than a commander's base. Sure. However, um, I'll have I'll be really proud to put him up. I got like a like little dinky IKEA bookshelf thing. Um, I'm gonna put it up in my little office corner. You know, like the one refuge I have in the house. Yeah, yeah. That, um, well, so that's I'm, above I'm five ready. feet tall. Yeah, I'm ready to display him pretty prominently. But I, I think that just means I gotta buy more models. 
Well, that's that's yeah. the addiction. Yeah, that plastic yeah. crack is hell. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I, we can get into more details later. But um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited for the theme I have for my guys. I I hope what I have in mind uh, conveys well to paint, especially for a novice guy. I'm hoping the contrast paints will get me there. Um, and I'm really excited to have a ghost keel um, at the forefront of this team because yeah. we've talked about we've talked about my my kill team strategy, and I think a ghost keel leader would be like the perfect. I agree. You know, for that theme. Well, great, man. Uh, it sounds like your dark Adler are really coming along. Yep. Um, I can't wait to see them. I mean, I, I've seen I've seen pictures already, but I can't wait to uh, get to a table at Gen Con and uh, see them in person. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of which, so Gen Con, <laughs> our wish list. Oh yeah. Our Gen Con wish list. So big flop, guys. Big flop. Big flop. What did we have, Corey? We had we picked out a D and D game to play. We picked out a Shadowrun game to play. We picked out a kill team thing to take part in. Uh, um, vampire Fifth Edition game we signed uh, uh, up for. Yeah. Call of Cthulhu. And, yep. And and so our attitude was we're gonna pick the stuff that we definitely want to do. Put that in our wish list. And when our time comes, we're gonna um, hit hit select, and off we go. Um, what did we do wrong? We did not shotgun it apparently, like you're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, we did not anticipate everyone else doing the same thing. And I guess, <laughs> I guess the the proper thing to do is to put anything you're remotely interested in into your wishlist bucket. And when the faded time comes, you hit the the purchase button, and you see what sticks. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And it was about what a half hour to get through that processing, right? Yeah, and of course I I fat fingered it and uh, hit, hit the refresh button when we were in our processing line. Oh, and I didn't know this. Yeah, ah! yeah, I, I I did put that in the group text um, where I had like a, a meltdown, um, but but I, I don't think we actually lost any spots. I think we were actually so far to the end of the line, realistically, that yeah. it didn't matter. Yeah. Um, so so one thousand one hundred thirteen. We were one thousand one hundred fifteen. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, what did we get from our wish list, Corey? Uh, we got Call of Cthulhu on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, we got our our our, our Sunday uh, Call of Cthulhu game was the one thing that we picked. The one thing that uh, Corey's like, I wouldn't mind playing a Call of Cthulhu game. Yeah, we were all like, yeah, For sure. um, yeah, I love Lovecraft. That's fine. Um, but I think we recovered well. Because we were able, yeah, we were able to pick up a different D and D game, yep. which isn't quite the all day affair, but it's still a lengthy one. Yep. We picked up a kill team casual tournament. Yeah, uh, same idea. Yep, and then we picked up. Um, what else do we got? You got the other uh, mouse guard, right? No, no mouse guard. I thought we had a mouse guard in there. Okay. Mm-mm. The road to fury, it's called. Or that's what I think it yeah yeah because it's not out. theory because it was yeah that's right oh uh, sorry 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 no no furry road that's what it's called yeah furry road it wasn't the it's, road it's to a furry, mad max yeah. pet yeah it's a mad max pun um we did not get that so we got we got D call of Cthulhu we got a kill team thing um we did not get a vampire thing so we're no. still looking for that yeah, yeah. I got I got um, terrible feelings about that vampire it's been so, what three weeks now, and there's still nothing new posted in Vampire. Yeah, but but research shows, and by research I mean forums. Yep. There'll, there'll be the opportunity for a pickup game. Oh yeah. And and push come to shove, I've got no problem um, picking up like a Vampire Requiem, the storyteller system adventure. Yeah. Some of those are pretty good, and uh, just pivoting it into a vampire thing. Um, and may, maybe we'll, yeah, Pawns the Show will will host a pickup vampire game. You know, I love it. I'd love to give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll do that. Um, so that's really what we're looking for. But at the last minute, we just added what I think is really exciting: um, yep. some sort of 40k Space Hulk and Kill Team, and uh, I think it's actually a Space Hulk Kill Team in a full Warhammer 40k game, and they're all kind of supposed to narratively feed a, off of each other. Yeah, it's like a mashup, man. Um, um, it seems like it's like a um, like a two-sided narrative thing happening. Where uh, you're playing like a kill team on one side of the table, and someone else is playing a space hulk game on the other side of the table, and however you do it influences how the narrative plays out. Uh, we actually signed up for both ends, so on Thursday night we're going to play the kill team side of things, see how that works out, and then Saturday night come back and play the uh, space hulk side of it and see how that plays out. Yep. Which I'm really excited because it seems kind of like the off the wall, uh, unique stuff that you get at Gen Con. So that that one I'm excited for. I'm, I I agree 100% with you. It's it's a real creative approach to kind of narratively weave these different subsystems of the 40k universe together. 
um, the next episode, I'll, I'll uh, do a little bit more research because this game, these games were signed up for, the, the Kill Team and the Space Hulk, are being run by a group out of Cincinnati that's got like their own Facebook group and that kind of stuff. And our D&D campaign as well, or campaign, the adventure, is also run by another group. And I think they're out of Milwaukee or maybe North Chicago. Uh, but I'll, I'll make sure that we uh, plug them a little bit going forward as well. Yeah, we should definitely do that. Um, I didn't pay attention to who's running what at all. <laughs> I probably should This This look on my yeah. face is the surprised look that I walk around <laughs> with all the time. Um, yeah, so that's I think that's what we're looking forward to. Um, other than that, um, like I mentioned, um, I'm, I'm leaning heavy on the pickup game thing. Uh, I would love to just stumble around and find people who also want to play Vampire. Yeah. And I'm also pushing for, you know, on Reddit, I put out a little call about Blades in the Dark is my other uh, indie game that I'm really anxious to try. And I'm I'm kind of bummed to see that they're not at Gen Con this year in any official capacity. As an indie game, you hear about Blades in the Dark all the time. You see it on Reddit, you hear about it on podcasts, and the fact that there were no Blades in the Dark games listed at Gen Con has continued to surprise me. It's the same thing with the vampire thing. It's These are yeah. popular systems that apparently have a lot of fanfare, but Nobody is signing up to run them officially other than what was already there. Yeah. Well, when I put out a call on Reddit on the Gen Con page, um, a lot of people also said that they're, they want to play Blades in the Dark as well. Yeah. Which And then some other people said that they regularly do pick up games and they're willing to do Blades in the Dark. So, so I think one way or another... We're um, going to play some Blades in the Dark, yeah. If, if we, you know, really push for it. Yeah, totally. All right, so let's talk about Kill Team Elites. Kill Team Elites. Now, why, Matt, does Kill Team matter to the everyman gamer? Uh, why does it matter to you? Let me, let, me throw, let me throw this out there. Um, if you are the kind of guy who uh, you're, you're a 40K fan, and let's say back in the day you had a huge kill, or not a kill team, but a 40K army, right? But now you're just too busy for 40K games. Yep, they can take an upwards of four hours for what's considered yeah. an average-sized game. Absolutely. So, so then Games Workshop comes out with Kill Team, and you're like, "Cool, these look like these are fast games. Yep. I, you know, I can I can play one literally like on my way home from work. I'll stop at the store, call ahead, see if anyone else is playing, be there, you know, do do a game. But a lot of your army is not being used, right? Yep. You're just playing like infantry units. Kill Team Elites is a big deal because I think it brings in a lot more of the exciting models. For your, of your old army back on the table. I agree 100%. Uh, that, that's why Kill Team is important, is because uh, it's it's this chance. It's not just a chance for the old people like me who have been playing the game forever to use their cool stuff they've had on the shelf. It's also a chance for the new guy to get into this. Now, he doesn't have to worry about going out and dropping all the money to buy 1,500 points for a Warhammer 40K game. He's got to spend a couple dozen hours painting everything up. He can buy, in theory, a single box of troops from his favorite mm-hmm. army, paint them up, you know, take mm-hmm. 10, 15 hours. He's playing the game right now. Kill team. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Now, um, so, for example, uh, here, here's here's Matt, the the new newbie to 40K. I picked Tau. Matt picked Tau. Um, because I just, I like the look, the aesthetic look of them, whatever. You know, they're the new army to the game or one of them yep so you know i'm a new player i'll pick the new army they're new to the um the story of the 40k world so like there's i don't know it, it just kind of worked well for a new player right sure but going into kill team um so my options are basically fire warriors drones and um stealth suits right yep but the tau have these really cool battle suits and up until now i couldn't put them on the table there's no there's no rules for them yep. well here comes kill tim elites with uh crisis suits now i can buy these cool uh anime looking battle suits and plop them on the table mech warrior looking stuff absolutely that's right that's why kill team uh elites is exciting absolutely yeah big big yeah. deal yeah so what uh what's new in the book Corey? uh the big thing is that's new is there's a couple big things uh, the, the first thing that struck me is as, as the guy who's been playing for a while, is the massive increase in the amount of troops you can now throw on the board. 
Uh, for instance, Matt just got done explaining his choice in the core rules for Tau. I, being a Dark Eldar player, I had two choices. I had the Dark Eldar Cabalites, which is their kind of basic rifleman, and I had the Dark Eldar Witches, which is their close combat melee unit. Uh, that's super narrow, and you know, that was kind of the charm of Kill Team when it first broke uh, late last year. It worked. It was great. But now, we've got a lot more choices. We don't just got more choices. We've got a whole brand new faction they threw in here. Um, yeah. For for instance, going back to Dark Eldar real quick, they gave me uh, a whole lot more choices. They took a lot of my elite choices from the game, from the Warhammer 40k game. I can use them now. I go from, uh, I did the math here, I go from what was it, two models all the way up to seven or eight different troop choices now that I have. Huge do, spike. Do you think, though, so let me keep arguing from the perspective of a new player, because that's that's where I'm at. Yep. Do you think that that can lead to some, um, like, decision, indecision, you know? Like, now there's so many options, and it's, it's kind of hard as a new player to kind of figure out what things are good at. I, uh, from the rule book alone, you I, know? I think you're, the, the point you're raising, this decision fatigue, this mountain to climb, is a real good point to raise. Uh, I know we've got it here in the notes. We talk a little bit about, well, where do they go next with Kill Team? Yeah, um, I, I, th- I think we're jumping ahead, though. So let, let's are. let's let's bring it back to what's updated in Kill Team Elites. Yeah. First off the bat, they add, I think this is really cool, they add sub-factions of some sort yep. for your for all the Kill Teams you can pick. So this means that if your team is battle-focused, which does anyone... Let, let us know. Does anyone out there play something that isn't battle-focused? But basically, you get to pick some sort of like specialism for your team, um, which usually translates into like um, shooting rerolls, um, stealth options, better in melee. Just some sort of like thematic and strategic bump to your team just by following the rules that I think you're going to follow anyway. A lot of yeah. the uh, the 40k players will recognize these special not the specialism excuse me these sub factions as like chapter tactics from your space marines. Exactly. Uh, yep. Yep. So but it, speaking of specialisms, yeah. So I, I don't mean to jump ahead, no, but uh, ahead. now there's there's the legendary hunter specialist. So your commanders, if you'll think back to, there's also the kill team commander book. Yep. Um, of which a lot of the elite models in kill team elites they count as. Um, they get a new sort of specialism, which looks pretty fierce. It, uh, it did. It was, uh, I don't remember looking over the stratagem cards, or I forget what they call them in, in Kill Team, but there's a different name for them, but they're still stratagems. Uh, but the specialism, I'm not sure what I thought of it. I thought as compared to, wasn't there an old commander specialism as well from, from Commander, the book Commander? Yeah, the com- the Commander's book has a couple uh, com- like commander-specific specialisms. Yeah. But I, I think the Legendary Hunter adds... I don't know, just another option. And and this this sort of decision fatigue doesn't really bother me because this is just stuff on paper. Yeah. Um, whereas the the model decision fatigue bothers me because there's dollars attached to it. I think that's you know a, what I mean? I yeah. I agree with the point. I agree with the uh yeah, the criticism there, absolutely. Yeah. So in addition to these two options, there's also a couple new uh or just one new entire faction. One new faction. The Adeptus Custodes. Did I pronounce that right? That is how I pronounce it. There is some, uh, trying to think of the right word, some controversy in the larger hobby. Uh, it's either Adeptus Custodes or Adeptus Custodes. That would be my second guess, like, yeah. Like codes. Yeah. These guys are really dope, Corey. <laughs> I have loved the models since they were released. They, they're a relatively new army, only a couple years old. Yeah, uh, I think when you do the math, you sit down and do the math, most of your games you're going to have, for Kill Team, you're going to have a grand total of three models on the board. Wow. How are these guys different than Grey Knights? Uh, that like, Do we want to go into a lore concept or we want to go to the rules concept? Give, uh, give, me, give me short descriptions of both. Okay, so the Grey Knights and the lore are essentially slightly above Space Marines. They're all psychic. They've got just a couple extra bells and whistles, but for the most part, you're looking at a space marine. So they're they're um, psyker specializing space marines. Yeah, that's right. A, yeah, that's a real quick summation. Of, yeah. yeah, and are they are sorry, I don't want to like keep going on it, but are, are Grey Knights also like specialists in demon hunting? 
Yes, they are. Fighting, yeah, because that's kind of what I've been gleaning from, again, just the Kill Team rulebooks. Yep. Grey Knights seem like they're very demon and psyker focused. Yep, absolutely. Uh, okay. Whereas Custodes are like the next step up, like the next full step up from a Space Marine. Uh, there's only 10,000 Custodes in the universe. Uh, as big as a Space Marine is compared to a normal person, a Custodes is even bigger than a Space Marine. Um, live for thousands upon thousands of years. Most space marines average out to, uh, if they don't die in combat, about a thousand years. That's all the the fluff. And anybody who's looked into the the lore can write up books upon books of the difference between the two. Uh, when you get down to the tabletop, you're looking at a difference in the stat lines. I think custodies run a five strength and maybe a four or five toughness, and most of them have three or four wounds as well. So that's what you're really looking at is that. Each model is in and of itself comparable to three other models from most armies. So if your jam is running just a minimum amount of models possible on the table that are all really good, yep. Adeptus Custodes are probably your guys. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, how does Kill Team Elites change the Kill Team game, though, Corey? I, it changes the game in a lot of ways. Uh, we're looking at a significant meta shift, I feel, here. We're going from what used to be 100 points, 10 models max. You know, you had your uh, your bench where you had your uh, alternate characters you could rotate in, your alternate specialist, and you could do all this stuff. Uh, we now have in Elite's games ranging from 125 to 200 points. Mm-hmm. Some of those game formats are now, the mission formats are, they either allow you to include, or one or two of them actually require you to include a commander proper. Uh, So that's what we're seeing here, is we're seeing a huge shift away from this concept of go buy a box of whatever looks cool to you, paint it, and go play Kill Team. And now we're looking more at go buy three or four boxes and a commander, and then get them all painted up, and then come play Kill Team. All right. So how do we feel about Kill Team? Do you want to go first, or should I? I want you to go first, because I, I know a little bit of your opinion, and I think yours is really the one to lead in, because I counter it a little bit, but for the most part, I agree with what, you're, what you've told me you think in the past. All right. Um, in a vacuum, where I can... My, my opinion is this. In a vacuum, where I can just buy whatever units I want, and my hobby time is infinite... Um, and I get to play as much kill team, or not even play, but just to devote as much free time as I want to kill team. I I love this book. I think it, like I said before, it adds some of the really exciting models from your army to the table. Um, and I think those models are just inherently really cool. Um, they give a lot of new features. They plug a lot of holes. They, I mean, just speaking from Tau, but probably everybody, the elite units probably plug a lot of holes in your strategy. Um. So on. Um. It's 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 exciting, but from a realistic standpoint, I have serious concerns about um investment creep. I'm gonna call it. Uh, in my notes, I said just general game creep. What I really what really bothers me is now investment creep. Kill Team Elites has now moved the game away from buying one starter box, um, assembling it, painting it, understanding what those couple units do and playing a game to now you are buying multiple boxes and now you have some a lot of serious decisions to pick from between multiple books um and i think that's kind of a problem um if 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 the concept of kill team is a pick up and play approach to the 40k franchise kill team elites is, is a very serious departure from that i i agree wholeheartedly with your criticism here um, overall, I think the changes are good in in a certain box. Uh, I think if they're willing to take Kill Team as a whole, if you're willing to take the core rules, you're willing to take Commander, you're willing to take Arena, and you're willing to take Elites, and you're willing to design events that follow that arc all the way from core to Elites and whatever else might come next, I think you're going to be okay. But I think your term of investment creep is spot on. Uh, this is kind of where I, I start to diverge a little bit from your opinion. 
We live in a capitalist society. Ultimately, this is a business. This is clearly intended, meaning Kill Team was clearly intended to be a stepping stone from new hobbyist to Warhammer 40k player. So I I understand the concern about investment creep. I think it's valid. But let's not fool ourselves. This was the direction it was going all along. Um, I also, we, we talked earlier, we've talked over the past week about creep. And I think that that's another really good concern. I've been around long enough to watch GW uh, ruin its games through what was called, and what is called, Codex Creep. Uh, this most recent edition has done a great job of avoiding a lot of that. But where does GW go from here? There's a couple units that are surprisingly missing from elites. And specifically, I'm talking uh, the Dark Elder Scourges and maybe some Space Marine Bikers. But I, I'm not sure what new models they can possibly add at this point without going tanks, dreadnoughts, and such. And that will ruin Kill Team. That's, that's not a good idea. You don't want that stuff on a Kill Team board, yeah. I'll counter that. I, I I wouldn't mind seeing something like vehicles, really. I mean that, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about dreadnoughts and bikes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I would I would like to see those hit a kill team board, but I'd like to hit see them hit a kill team board with very specific missions in mind. Um, maybe something like if there's a dreadnought, then the mission is about taking down that dreadnought. Okay. Um, I I, I guess I as long as the um the thematic integrity of the size of those kinds of vehicle units is preserved, then it kind of makes sense to me. But, um, I don't know. I just, I just, I think I I can just only reiterate my, my attitude that, um, this kill team elites really takes it away from being a pickup and play approach to games. And I really hope that, um, going forward, like when we go to Gen Con, um, elites wasn't mentioned anywhere into the event that we sign up at. Yep. So I'm kind of like, do I need an elite unit to play at this table or not? I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. You know. Um. I, and I kind of hope actually not, because um. You know, if it's supposed to be a friendly, anyone can play game, then I think adding elites really muddies that. I think that's a really good criticism. I I think it's a good counter. Yeah. Um, I, but I, I, on, on the other side, like you know. Like, let's say that I am someone who plays a lot of Kill Team. I think adding Elites is, is a fantastic way of kind of adding another layer of complexity to the game. And again, they add the really exciting models that, um, you know, like, I'm really happy to, to have the chance or the excuse to go out and buy <laughs> <laughs> Crisis Suits now. Because they look so cool. And, and you know, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm happy to, you know, add those to, to my collection. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm adding a couple racks to my kill team. It had been uh, my intention all along to eventually add them to my 40k army, but oh look, yeah. now I've got a reason to go get two boxes of racks. Ah, let's set it. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. Exactly. All right. I think that wraps up kill team. I think that's a good cover, kill team elites. I think it's it's promising, and I hope GW gets this uh, this little uh, IP to where it wants it, and we start seeing more come from it. And, term of like campaigns and that kind all right. of publishing all right our last uh topic i want to get back into it yeah let's uh, do this. our last topic is the gulfs our last topic is the ghost of salt marsh preparation yes so we were gonna start uh last week right we we're gonna start last wednesday night yeah yeah but then you got sick i got um, real sick yeah that's good because it wouldn't have been any fun to play with you suffering from bronchitis no maybe pneumonia um, but let's talk about what we do have in the pipeline for Gulf, Ghosts of Saltmarsh. Right. Ghosts of Saltmarsh. Um, we're talking about a session zero. Yep. Um, and I think this is a really cool topic to cover for a podcast like this because um, if you're someone who is playing tabletop games in a time of your life where you don't have a lot of time, a session zero can really help you focus your game. Yep. And I know that sounds kind of um, aggressive in your approach, but I, the big complaint I see about adults playing tabletop games is that you have encounters with people you just don't get along with, um, and it's like wasted time, right? You have a bad session, you met someone you just don't get along with, whatever, um, and or you're playing at a tabletop game that really just isn't fun, right? Yeah, yeah different levels of expectations, yeah. Yeah, so um, let's talk about our upcoming session zero, 
and what is so good about it and why if you're not doing a session zero for your uh tabletop games if you're out there looking for them starting games um here's why you want to do one right does that make sense Corey? it absolutely does uh i i think when people first hear session zero it's kind of counterintuitive it's like what do you mean i'm just gonna go play D D." Yeah. D&D is a lot more than just sitting down rolling dice. It is, at our level of, of adulthood, D&D is a social contract, and everybody needs to be at least on a real similar page for what yep. they expect. Yeah, Yeah, and uh, for example, um, when Corey uses the word contract, that's pretty close, because for my session zeros, I actually use a, a legit charter for my games. So for my, my last not my last, but my current D&D game, I built a Word document and shared it with everyone who wanted to join about expectations for my game. Um, and it, again, if that sounds aggressive, it really isn't that bad. Um, it just covers things like um, game frequency and time frames, like we're going to play twice a month for like three hours a session. So everyone's on the same page about that. Um, it sets things like the minimum number of players we want to have at the table, um, you know, like if three out of five people call off, yeah. what's the recovery? You know, do we just call it off or do we do board games? That That's in the charter. Um, and it also talks about people who, you know, how to handle people who keep calling off a session. Cause that's something I've encountered quite a bit in my, my search for a, for a D and D game is I'll have people with all, you know, all the good intentions, but for whatever reason, they just can't make ends meet and actually show up to play. Right. How do you handle that? Well, a session zero sets the expectations for how that'll be handled. Um, and I think most importantly, at a session zero, um, you get to set the game rating. And by rating, I'm talking like a, a movie or a video game rating. Is this table rated PG, PG-13, rated R? And what kind of topics are allowed? Can you talk about sexual contact uh, con- content? Can you talk about, can you do PvP? Can can players attack each other? You know, can, can your characters attack each other? Right. Um, can you talk about political things at the table? Stuff like that. Um, if you set up your game with a session zero, you can put all these topics on the table and then you know where everybody sits. And there's no ugly, su- hopefully... There's no ugly surprises. That That is uh, one of the big things I've always taken away from a session zero. I've fortunately never really had uh, a true nightmare experience at a role-playing table like a lot of people do. Like, if you read online all the time, uh, RPG yeah. horror stories. I've never had that. But that's one thing I think a session zero does fantastically is you get to come together as a group and you get to decide. Matt, you, you hit it on the head when you said to give it a rating system. That's that's exactly the kind of stuff I like as Session Zero for, is to yeah. set that level of what is and what is not acceptable so that everybody can walk away from the end of the session having had fun and not being uncomfortable or feeling awkward about what happened. Yeah, and this doesn't even have to be a safeguard against being the next top post on RPG horror stories. Right. Um, this can be a safeguard against just knowing that you're not going to be a good fit at a table. Yep. Yep. You yeah. know, you're, and you're not going to have fun. And I, and I, I do believe the, the mindset or the, the mantra of no D and D is better than bad D and D. There's nothing worse than, you know, walking away from a session saying like, man, that was just not fun. It was frustrating. And I'm, I'm driving home, just not feeling good about it. You're better off just not playing at all. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. So we're due to have our session zero. Although I think um, also uh, something else that I want to put out there is a session zero doesn't have to be an entire evening by itself. Right. You, you, If you do a charter, like I recommend, and for example, my charter is just a shared Google Doc that I, you know, as I was inviting people to play, I, I, I linked them to it really quickly and be like, hey, make sure you check the charter, um, you know, before you, you say you want to come. Um, it can be just a quick conversation before you hop into your, your campaign. It was one thing, uh, our last group we had together in Wisconsin, our session zeros were frequently a group text message that took space over maybe an hour or two. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Session zero really is just a dialogue. Yep. However you, you do it. Um, my recommendation is to have a, ri- if you're first off, if you're out there looking for a D and D game, um, and this is a topic for another podcast. 
if you're but really quickly if you're out there looking for a D game you're gonna have way better luck um offering to dm a D game yep. than looking to be a player joining um and first and ne- next if you are in that position and you write a charter that people have to that you know you link people to and say that you know if you show up to my table i'm assuming you've read the charter um then session zero just kind of just happened yep right um as long as you say something like you can come to me about anything on this charter at any time and we'll talk about it um you know um also but uh we kind of jumped ahead because also your session zero can cover game rules yes um we're talking like what source books are you going to allow at your table um like for Corey and i our game uh, we're limited to just the player's handbook and the Ghost of Saltmarsh yeah. book, um, and that's we decided on that because we wanted to keep it simple. Yeah, you know, we've got two uh, uh, two players who don't have a ton of experience, and that was yeah. that was my goal was just to help keep it as uh, quick and possible, quick as possible for them. Yeah, but um, another common game source session zero topic is um, house, uh, not house rules, but um, Unearth Arcana stuff for fifth edition. Right. Uh, play test rules. Are you going to allow that at your your, ta- at your table? Are you going to follow the Adventure League rules where you get to pick the player's handbook and plus one other source book? I think is how they do it. Um, this is the kind of stuff that you can set about game sources in your session zero slash charter. Um, you also want to cover something like character advancements. Um, you know, you let people know this is a milestone campaign or this is count the experience point campaign. Um, and also uh, in a charter, you can cover the topic of what do you do if a player is really unhappy with their character? Can you just, you know, remake your character or do you have to, um, you know, write up like a whole new backstory and, yeah. and you know, fit someone else in? That's a really good point. I had never thought of uh, using it to address that issue. Yeah. Yeah, um, personally, for whatever it's worth, at my D&D table, um, the first rule I have on there is the rule of cool <laughs> and the rule of fun. Yeah, Those are the two most important things. Um, and, and point blank, I said, if you're not having fun with your character, tell me, and we can change them overnight right. into something that you want to play. Um, but that's more, you know, my attitude is we're adults with limited time, and there's no point in playing D&D if you're not having fun. So if you're not having fun, change your character and start having fun. Right. Let's fix the problem. Yeah, another big one is house rules. Um, get it all out there. If you are the kind of guy who definitely wants to have a specific house rule in your game, um, put it in your session zero notes. Make it up front. And then people, if they have a problem with that, then they know that they're a bad fit. Um, or if they have a better idea, you can have that dialogue right there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Another topic is the rule of cool, which we already talked about. But really, uh, shortly is, um, shortly put, is the the attitude that if your idea goes against the rules, but everyone at the table really likes it, then that's how it goes, right? Yeah, I uh, yeah, I've seen you do that more than twice in campaigns I played with you. Absolutely, yeah. And it, yeah, it has nothing to do with me forgetting how the rules work. No, no, uh, no I don't <laughs> would, never would have thought that. Yeah, but that's a good segue into my last point, which is rules disagreements. Um, if you put a note in your charter or you have a dialogue in your session zero about rules disagreements and how you're going to handle them, uh, I think you can avoid a lot of headache. Um, and again, for whatever it's worth at my table, it's DM arbitration. The DM has the final say in how rules are settled. Yep. Um, and then you make a note to sidebar the disagreement for investigating later. With the attitude that that moves the game on from that whatever is happening, you you, know, you just get over it and move on with the game, and then afterwards you can have a, a real um, you can devote your attention towards figuring out what should have been done or you know what could be done. Right. Yeah, and that's so. Uh, that's a session zero and why it's important. I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> No. I, 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 I really do think that, um, you know, when I read posts or hear stories from people about like, oh, you know, I'm so busy and every time I find a and d group, it sucks for this reason or the other. I'm like, man, if you guys had just had a session zero, none of this would have happened. I, you know, when I first encountered the concept of session zero years and years ago, 
it was it was really strange to me. I didn't quite grasp it, but having played with some people who like yourself who really do enjoy having a session zero, I've seen the value in it and you yeah. you can't emphasize enough how it doesn't need to be a three hour session. It can be a half hour quick little get together before session one starts. Yeah. It's, it can be uh going out for beers if that's your thing. Yeah. You know? And just talking about you know what excites you about whatever game you're playing. Um, or it can be as quick as a written Google Doc yep. and a link to it and say if you disagree with anything, let me know and let's talk about it. Yep. Absolutely. You, know? you can yeah. you can totally make session zero work for you in the confines you have. Yeah. And I, I think something like session zero is important nowadays versus maybe earlier editions of D D because I think D D and tabletop role playing has really shifted in its the way people play it over the years. I think um, maybe it's, this is just because I didn't play back in the day and I'm just like imagining what it was like. But I think um, earlier tabletop role-playing was much more gamey than it is today, whereas today it's much more narrative yep. and story-driven. Um, and so maybe it just wasn't necessary back then. I, you know? I, I think you're 100% correct. I also think the other facet we have that we're facing now that we didn't face then is back then you were looking at small, tight social groups that were already established playing Dungeons & Dragons, playing the different RPGs. Uh, today we're looking at virtual tabletops. We're looking at groups started on Reddit, started on Facebook. Uh, we all have different social norms, all have different social mores. It's It's a complex world we live in, and this Session Zero helps to align people into what's expected yeah i take back what i just said because Corey hit it on the head <laughs> people <laughs> i've never heard you that, say i was right before this has never happened that, that's that's exactly what it is now <laughs> but, but, now that you said it it's because back in the day you played with your friends or friends of friends yeah and today you play with complete strangers yeah you used which, to be able to is, reach over and kick your buddy under the table when he was being a jerk now you can't do that. <laughs> why yeah. does call of duty wreck the whole world uh, that's another that's another podcast and I'm, by pod, another podcast i mean that's that's like you're like ranting into a uh a tin can and, and just, just a heads up timmy 99169x you did not have sex with my mom no oh boy my mom this is getting is 80 years old she's not having sex with anybody this is getting way too specific to be a, a random joke yeah. guys yeah fuck you Timmy. um so <laughs> So that's that's why session zero is really important, guys. And it's not just a D and D thing. I think it's any um, tabletop game, you know. Or I don't know. I, maybe session zero is even important if you are joining a board game meetup that is about playing board games or war games. You know, um, like if you're joining um, maybe like a forty k meetup, um, a session zero would be talking about um, our models. Can you like substitute models, sure. um, or is it WYSIWYG, what you see is what you get. Yeah, huh? I, I know that term. There you go, buddy. Um, I'm proud of you. That that kind of dialogue is session zero material. Yeah, it, right. It, it is uh, the same functional sort of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyone out there who um, is starting a group, uh, whether it's tabletop games or board games or war games or whatever, just keep in your mind the importance of having a session zero. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're, we're due to have ours. Um, although I, I don't think ours will be nearly as intense as what I'm talking about because we are going back to, we're just playing with friends. Yep. And I, I think the, the important part of it has already happened because, you know, we've limited our source material. Um, and we, you know, we're all, um, people playing this specific campaign in everyone's free time, which we all have none of. None of. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's the big hang up is like, well, what yeah. happens if the kids can't go to bed? Well, we don't play yeah. that night. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, but uh, speaking of our game, um, let's talk about how we're playing our game. Yeah. So I've already I've already mentioned our game is entirely online because each group of parties is on is in a different state. We got my friend back in Wisconsin. Um, Corey and his wife are in another state, and me and my wife are in yet another state. So online is really our only option. Um, we're going with roll twenty. Um, yep. I think that's just because of what we know. Um, however, I do have, and again, this is an, another topic 
uh, for another podcast. This is a um, huge topic. This virtual tabletop thing. It's a huge. It's an industry in and of itself. Yeah, that's that's brand new. Um, and I'll just put this out there. I, I opt for Roll Twenty for its simplicity and ease of use. I am very excited to know or to see any sort of competition. Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready to. I'm not loyal to Roll Twenty by any means, and the more I know about the company of Roll Twenty, the more eager I am to see some competition spring up. I, I've so, read my fair share of controversies about their decisions as well. Yeah, um, I just I need to see someone doing it better. Um, so the game is being played on Roll Twenty, and we're using D and D Beyond for character sheets. Yep. Um, however, there's also Fight Club. Yeah, my wife Sarah fell in love with Fight Club. And yeah. I showed her D and D Beyond, and she was like, "Nope, I've got Fight Club." <laughs> yeah, I uh, I think we've talked about Fight Club before. Um, it's an awesome app. Yeah. I understand it's now on Android. I- I'm all Apple, so um, same here. I know I, I know it's on Apple. It's on iPhone and iPad. Um, I know it's on Android, and I also think it's on. I don't know if Google Chrome, not Google Chrome, but Chromebooks use their own uh, app store or something like that because a guy at my table uses Fight Club on his Chromebook, and it's really good. It's really good. Um, Fight Club, I think, is one of the weird, unspoken, like, best-kept secrets of playing D&D with technology. Um, I, I think it does a lot of stuff better than what D&D Beyond does. It just requires some serious investment in, in prep. Yep. If you're willing to get over that hurdle, uh, Fight Club is the way to go. Yeah. My, my wife and I were using uh, D&D Beyond for our character sheets for the simplicity um, because we're going to physical dice at our table. So get ready to hear those oh, yeah. those dice rattle. There's no other way She's to do a... dice unless like you're playing 40K where you've got 300 die you got to roll. Well, uh, when I when I DM d I use all virtual. I use, I use the Fight Club DM app, and I don't roll any dice. Okay. I uh because I mean maybe just because I'm an idiot, but I, I couldn't I couldn't manage so many like monsters and stuff like that and all their specific dice needs in a way that I think keeps the tempo of of a game going. Sure. So I opt for the DM Fight Club version because I can just like tap on the attack roll and it's done. Okay. Um, but now that I'm in this game as a player, I'm gonna enjoy slowing down and, and using dice. Um, I've also ordered um. The Rook and the Raven character sheets, uh, for Laura and I. Um, so when they arrive, we'll be going completely analog. I uh, that that still boggles my mind that you of all people are willing to go analog with this stuff. Yeah. Well, I look at playing D and D as the opportunity to kind of slow down and focus, and when I'm incorporating technology, that's also inviting distraction. Yeah. So, um. We'll use D and D Beyond for our rules and stuff like that, but yeah, we're going to written character sheets. However, uh, I I want the notebook feel of uh, the Rook and Raven, and l- let's plug them for another episode. Um, I got my Rook and Raven campaign manager, um, and I've started to write out stuff for my D and D game. Um, but let's let's sidebar that for another episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so how are we doing DMing? Uh, my D- in our game. Uh, so my wife and I, Sarah and I, will be using probably two laptops. Uh, I imagine okay. we'll be sitting at our dining room table. Uh, I probably will be rolling dice because I'm old-fashioned. It's what I do. You can ask Matt. I've got a giant plastic garbage bag full of dice. I reach in and grab what I need and throw them on the table. Somebody left a big bag of plastic dice, a big plastic bag of dice at my house before I moved out. And I still have them. I've got the big bag of plastic dice right beside my bench right here. All right, so it's not yours. It's not mine, no. I'm going to throw them away. <laughs> Don't throw them away. Send them to me. There's I'll... somebody else's dice, dude. It's not mine. I'll take them. Just, it's, it's wrong to roll somebody else's dice. I disagree. Um, Rub another man's rhubarb. <laughs> it's interesting. So, so your wife is going completely digital, but you're gonna the DM is going to be old school in it i actually your... no sarah i believe will probably end up rolling dice herself because she's one of those people who like she wants to when she goes to a store to buy dice she wants to pull them out of the package and individually roll them to make sure they <laughs> roll good yeah i like I, uh, I try to sit there and tell her about variants and averages and she just looks at me like 
I'm the scientist I does am, it, but yeah. She says, does it feel good when I roll them? Yep. That's it. Yep. Um, that's interesting that you bring that up because um, my wife and I were having that conversation about buying dice for the game. And she's like, yeah, I could, be, I could get really excited about that. And I said, you know, the older I've gotten, the less exciting I find it to go out and buy special dice. Yep. Um, now, and again, this, maybe this just speaks to my like no-nonsense attitude towards playing D&D. I don't want anything to do with your like marbles-themed dice or your like elven-numbered dice or any of that shit. I want solid numbers yep. and solid colors, yep. and I want them contrasting. Yep. I, I want to like easily know what number I've rolled. Yep. And the, the bigger the number is on the dice, the happier I am, too. Or maybe I just need reading glasses. I don't, I don't know what it is. You're headed that way, too. Don't worry about that. But I, yeah. I agree wholeheartedly with you. From a wargaming standpoint, the uh, the numbered dice as opposed to the pip dice are much more uh, fairly distributed in their variance on rolls. I, studied, I, I read yeah. some guy's dissertation about it. and Yeah, I believe it. Interesting. Well, I'm talking about ease of reading, but you're saying like the the numbers roll better than the pips. Yeah, well, yeah, they roll more, not better, more consistently, more very equally distributed variance. Interesting. I don't. I, I mean, I'd have to or, see it to believe it, yeah. but um. <laughs> uh, anyway, no. Let's go I, back I just... to talk about D and D. Yeah. All right, so how are we playing our game? We're on roll 20. Roll 20, you've done a ton in showing me how to edit maps, and I'm slowly getting there. Um, I don't know what it is about, like, the, the image editing softwares like GIMP and Photoshop. I struggle like hell with them. But That's not you. They're complicated. Oh, well, that makes me feel better. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, people make their whole careers off of knowing how these programs work. Very so. true, yeah. I'm married to one of them. Uh but I've, I've learned a bit. I'm learning more as a, every time I get a chance to sit down with Roll20 in the maps. Yeah, you built us a fantastic map. Uh, I definitely took some inspiration for the further maps into the campaign from what you had done. Um, All right. I'm getting there. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good. I'm not anywhere near the level you're at, but I'm definitely learning, yeah. I don't, um, I mean, I'm not, this isn't me leaning into you saying you're not as good as I am. But more importantly, I don't think you need to be that good sure. at, at doing this. I think if you can just drop a map and then um, maybe pepper it with some assets to just sort of like evoke the imagination, you've done enough as a DM and, in a virtual context. And, and not to toot my own horn here, but I actually made a couple of my own assets as well. Uh, awesome. They're they're fine. They're They're nothing great, but I am proud that I figured out how to do them by myself. Yeah. Fantastic. And how are we doing... Uh, uh, icons on the table so are we doing like are we are we copying the look of miniatures or are we going to do like just like the portraits in like a circle you know how do you want to do them i was and thank you for reminding me i had meant to ask you about this earlier this week i had thought to just make some quick easy tokens i've got a website that makes really easy tokens and that's what i've been doing for all the bad guys in the campaign um mm-hmm. and i was just figuring i could do that for the pcs as well if you guys were all right with that but i'm up the, to whatever whatever you guys have in mind is good for me the only thing i i think the only opinion i could have is that it, you probably want to be consistent among your npcs and consistent among your players but not necessarily both i agree 100 does that make sense yeah and in fact i, I could see the argument of like having your npcs look as like you know like the 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 top down figures you know in, in like an action pose yeah and then maybe your players as like the the circular portraits so you can easily identify who is what yep i i think that would look kind of cool um my my but... uh my goal had been like all of my bad guy the the monster the camp the, the combatant tokens i've made have all got like this big red border and uh yeah cool to help stand apart from other things yeah speaking of call to action if anyone out there uses roll 20 or virtual tabletop software and has a solution that works for you let us know how you got to where you're at did you go with um, portraits, or did you go with um, you know the miniature, the top-down miniature look, and why? Yeah, let us know what we're doing yeah. wrong. Let us know what's worked for you. Yeah, because as I browse like the Roll Twenty Marketplace, I see uh, strong candidates for both looks. I even see isometric stuff, which I think is kind of wild. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but it's only because the the marketplace for that is smaller that I wouldn't go that way. You know. Sure. There's less options. 
but that also looks really cool. And I think the only important thing is that it's consistent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you have a strong feeling about how you went, uh, let me know. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know what worked for you. I, I definitely would want to know. Yeah. So the last question is, are we, are we recording this game? I want to record. Okay. But I don't want to kill my editor because that guy does a ton of work and I know he's that kind of a, he's kind of a diva. I, he has his moments. But I know that that last episode we did that was like an hour and fifteen minutes was a pain in his ass, and I don't want to. I, mean, I don't want to tax him. I mean, let's be real. He's just complaining about clicking the mouse button a bunch of times. I'm not going to say over, that about get my over editor. yourself, buddy. I'm not going to say that about my editor. No. <laughs> uh, I do not. Um, so in my experience, I cannot focus on on a recording, an audio recording of tabletop play. Sure. I cannot maintain interest. I can barely maintain interest in watching like Critical Role. Yep. And those guys are awesome. So my only opinion is that if we do record, it would have to be video as well. And I I don't know if yeah. you know that sounds you know. like a next level that maybe we're not quite ready for. Maybe we'll just yeah. record session zero just so we can get the girls on and we can have something to throw in the blender if we need it for another episode down the road. Let me, let me uh, throw out a counter to you. Sure. How about like a Corey's Corner um, uh, DM's recap of how the game is going? I like that idea. That sounds really promising. Yeah. Let's let's sort of like audio journal your uh, your your game and how it's going. I, I really like that idea. That makes a lot of sense. That would probably yeah. be a great uh, stopgap measure. Yeah. It would also be interesting, you know, as, as the editor that we just <laughs> lambasted. It'd be really fun to... Um, I didn't lambast like my editor. No, sir. That's not true. <laughs> it would be really interesting to um, like hear you recap the session and be like, oh, Matt did not connect the dots on this. Matt missed <laughs> this plot hook. Uh, Matt totally screwed up doing this. That sounds like another couple, three, four hours of editing for you. Um, so a quick recap, guys. Uh, what's really important is Corey's call to action. Um, we're we're kind of turning a corner into uh, listeners. Uh, we're getting much more traction than i expected at, at this stage we are ahead yeah. of the curve yeah yeah so um it would be really appreciated from Corey and i that if you are getting some you know value out of the show go on itunes or wherever you're hearing the show and give it a, a, a rating you know we we need those five-star reviews um to get the show socialized and if you have input on how we can improve the show, or if you have topics that you want to hear, if you want to get involved, um, hit us up. Yep. We're Pawns the Show at anywhere you can punch it in. Yep. Facebook, Twitter, whatever, Gmail, Pawns the Show at gmail.com. Uh, if you got input, we're here for you. And uh, other than that, I just want to give a quick shout out to Dan from the uh, Radio Free Borderlands podcast. Dan has kind of guided us a little bit in the past and getting set up. Uh, if you are a fan of the old school D&D, give Radio Free Borderlands a, uh, a real good look over because Dan is uh, really super passionate about his job, real super passionate about the hobby. And uh, Dan, thanks for being a friend of the show, and we appreciate all the support you've given us. Thank you, sir. Dan, did, did you also record a podcast in your bedroom closet like I'm doing right now? Is that <laughs> is that where your uh, show's Top Secret Headquarters is also located? Uh, actually, um, coincidentally, that's Appleton, Wisconsin, is where Dan was based out of. So hey, we were not that far world. from him, yeah. That's right. All right, guys, Till next time. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Good night. Bye.